0: From the windows to the wall, let's all dungeon crawl. This is the Veteran Wargamer. This is the Veteran Wargamer. I am your host, Jay Arnold. And I am joined by well, I guess now this is the super fan status, uh, Thomas Foss.
1: Hey, Thomas, super fan once again. Thanks. I am I am a super, super fan. super guest.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, uh, but since I, if I'm a since super live guest, I'm Illinois straight up like we're talking about the super fans.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. I so say if I'm if I'm a super, then I'm like I'm straight up DC. I'm not Marvel. <laughs>
0: Either, I, I'm an image comics guy myself. There you go. I, I, I hit the image comics hard back in the 90s. I was a big fan of the Max especially. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, we're not here to talk about superheroes, uh, at least not in the comic book sense. We are here to talk about superheroes in the grimdark sense, and especially some super squatty shortfellows and one really tall guy and that is for your latest kickstarter called space scrappers
1: space scrappers indeed and yeah and
0: that kickstarter yeah and that and I, I think we there's a little bit of a lesion there between the the s sounds on space and scrappers and i think if we're not careful it's going to sound really weird so we need to have a pause between space scrappers cuz otherwise it's going to sound like more like Space,
1: space scrappers. scrappers. Yeah, so we can just call them the scrappers. Or Thorgrim and Company is the other way to call it, right? Space scrappers is kind of the thing. So it is really Jake, That is true. It, it is Jorvik Thorgrim and Company of Adventurers. And they are the space scrappers. And the scrappers Great. just means that they there you go. uh that they are they go from ship to ship salvaging things because they as squats they're really good at finding all the good technologies and mining things. And that's kind of what they're going on through adventures. But really, the—I uh, mean—the background story of Thorgrim and company is that uh, they were on their own Belter mine, and it was invaded by a giant um, warp demon, and which took the Hearthstone of their of their home world with them. So and and killed Thorgrim's father. So he is on the hunt for this particular void demon. But in so doing, he's got to make a living with what's left of the of the his clan. And so he, uh, he is hired out. He's basically a rogue trader and he is good at finding, uh, Mm -hmm. finding ancient technologies. And he is accompanied by G4 NDF, an astro, an astropath, astrographer, if you will, uh, who helps him along the way, along with, along with other characters, right? Um, you know, they, um. They pick up Bill Joe Buckets, who is a steward on one of the big Galaxy class ships. Uh, And Bill Joe is, uh, you know, his his he doesn't really like being a a steward. He's he's a halfling, and he uh, he mostly just tries to hang out and sleep a lot. And uh, but sometimes he gets tasked with the really crappy jobs. And one time he was in dumping the sewage, and he finds a Jokero ring, which are the if you follow 40k Mm. are like they're like the you know the high end super tech things where you can put like a a las gun in a ring well his is his is actually chameleon so it helps him hide which he loves because then he can go steal extra breakfasts and stuff and one day he sees a ship being loaded with supplies and so he he goes and hangs out it has a big breakfast and then falls asleep only to wake up later with a bunch of space dwarves squats standing above him uh and they're like how did you get on our ship well you're part of the party now and and since you're so good at sneaking out our ship you're our new burglar so yeah, all this should sound pretty familiar. Um, really, really, what I've Somewhat done, yes. yeah, really, what I've done is I've just married two things that I love so much. I love the Rogue Trader old school uh, 40k miniatures. When they were all just characters, like, you know, like we were talking a little bit earlier about comic books, like these are all comic book characters. Like, you could write a story about each one of these guys. They had a name yeah. on them, you know, and they're and they were setting them up, and and then taking you know Tolkien's Hobbit, which is a wonderful story, and kind of just smashing the two together. So that's really what what Space Scrappers is all about,
0: right? And there's there's a certain there's certainly the old school, old hammer aesthetic in the figures. And I, 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 could definitely draw some direct visual comparison in the sculpting style, uh, on this project, at least of your, your sculptor, Drew Day Williams and, mm-hmm. uh, Bob Ollie and his sculpting. Sure, yeah. And mean, there's some very, very similar, very similar, uh, aesthetic there for sure.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Bob Ollie is Drew's, one of Drew's heroes, right? So, and Drew has sculpted for Games Workshop as, many, as well as many other things and has been kind of my, my studio sculptor uh, for all of my other uh, endeavors. And um, this actually all started out because I loved the original old school Space Dwarf. The guy in the power armor with the with the kind of the pepper gun. And I never had one. I just never ever got one. Right. You know, we I live on the West Coast in California, and those figures just never made it out to us. Right. Um, so for Christmas, mm-hmm. Drew actually sculpted me that figure, like two scale in the old school green stuff manner, you know, and he put it he literally put it in a in a ring box and handed it to me for Christmas. And I was just like, This is the coolest thing. Uh yes, I'll marry you. No, but uh, uh, but um, but I just kept looking. I had it sitting on my desk because uh, I uh, I had you know the green sitting on my desk waiting for for me to get other other sculpts done so I could send it to my caster because usually do when you do a master mold you know you put about somewhere between ten and fifteen models depending on what size they are to get the mold done otherwise it, it's just not cost effective so it's been sitting here. And I just kept looking at it. And then I just started doing more. I started kind of sketching and doodling and then doodling it in different poses. I'm like, you know, what would mm-hmm. it feel like to have a bunch of space squats in, in that power armor style, you know, that round power armor with the different guns and things. So I started doodling those up and I started talking to drew. And at the same time, um, I was rereading the Hobbit, uh, because, uh, one of my kids was reading it and I like to do that kind of book club kind of thing with them. And I was just like, these stories are just the best. So, and, and it just kind of like light bulb, it kind of happened. So then I started drawing what, what would Thorin look like, you know, as Thorgrim, as Jacob Thorgrim. And what would, what would Gandalf look like? Well, he looked like Patrick Stewart, which is exactly what we use for the model. And, you know, like Mm -hmm. as G4 NDF. And like, just kept, just kept going off of that. And I started doing sketches and then, and then showing Drew and then talking with him. And that's basically how this Kickstarter started. I wanted to get, um, I mean, my, my artwork's okay. Right. Yeah. Especially like when, you know, I can, I can convey in concept what, what I wanted, but I really wanted to also show off like part of that rogue trader feeling is in that 40 K is the artwork and the style. And one of the artists that I've been really uh, fond of lately is a fellow named Aaron Howdle. Uh, I fell in love with Aaron. one of Aaron's mm. kickstarters where he did this beautiful, Drawing of um, uh, uh, it was like the a dwarf kingdom, and it's you know it's in layers, right? So remember, like, remember the old school dioramas that they did, like in forty k and white dwarf, where they'd have like the different right. layers and it'd be like gene stealers and things like that, right? So it was those layer kind of things, and I'm like, Aaron does that kind of drawings, so I uh I talked to him and uh had him do a couple of drawings, and then just like he just was nailing it, so I'm like, you know what? You're, you're you're taking this to 11. I'm just going to have you do all the artwork for this Kickstarter. And I'm so happy I have, because he, he really has that kind of uh, rogue trader feel and uh, and just knocked it out of the park. And that, of course, it not only inspired me, but it inspired Drew to, to do his sculpts just like, you know, in, in a way, in a manner that also hits that kind of mark.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah, uh, looking at some of the line art for... For example, the well, I, I I guess we should mention that the Kickstarter started at this point, what 13, 14 hours ago. I as, launched it at seven o'clock something this like that. morning,
1: yeah, California time, yeah. And and we funded in okay, an hour and a half, just about. Which is crazy. Which is it's awesome. Great. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, you know it. It. Um, it, 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 when you do something like a Kickstarter like this, really, and all of my Kickstarters have just been passion projects, right? It's really about like let's make some cool toys that we can all play with, uh, and uh, you know, I I knew that I had something cool going on here, but I didn't know that it was like you know funded an hour and a half cool. But not only that, since since I mean mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, thirteen hours, we've already broken two stretch goals we unlocked the G4 and DF as right. a free stretch goal and then uh and then we've unlocked the first of the campaign uh which uh, uh I'll I'll get into it in just a second but like the whole idea is it was just I just want to thank everybody out there it's been gangbusters right and we still have 17 more days to go i actually truncated this kickstarter to be shorter than my other kickstarters uh and it's already just uh, you guys are really uh, uh, just showing me some real cool love and support. And I'm excited that you guys are excited about the, the, the miniatures and everything.
0: Right. Then looking at uh, Aaron's artwork for scenario scenario one Trollbot bridge, mm-hmm. the, the use of, you know, just simple pen and ink with uh, a couple of different cross hatching and pointillism uh, shading, uh, I, it definitely it definitely mirrors the aesthetic of Rogue Trader. Um again, it's got some you know, there are some layers to it, uh, as you described, and it perfectly captures that aesthetic or that style with a slightly different aesthetic. Um I know I just said it matches the aesthetic and I just said it's a different aesthetic, but I should say it's 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 it Aaron's flair, style. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's its own thing for sure. But you can definitely see it fitting within that particular version of that universe, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And, had he had been around when
0: they were making you know, you the book, they,
1: yeah, it, it would have just fit straight in,
0: right? And 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 again, it's the type of thing where I've, I've seen some comparison photos that that you've published of these figures next to original. Uh, Road Trader era figures, and they're mm-hmm. they're in the neighborhood. They're a little beefier. They are a little beefier than squats of the, the you know the original squats of the era, but you can explain that as you know you know these guys are from a you know they're from a slightly better fed clan. <laughs> yeah, know? so so they're not so outrageously I, out of scale.
1: Right, right, and you could look at the comparison pictures. What I decided to do there was they're actually. Um, if you look at the original, uh, man, I actually have the figures right here. I don't know. Like if you look at the, these actually show, uh, that's the original space dwarf bonds right there. And then here is an upgraded version of them. Right. So it's slightly bigger. The, the original squats, uh, they, I mean, this one was like, it was just barely 25 millimeters, like halfling size. Right. Um, and then, and then they kind of mm-hmm. went up a little bit bigger in scale. Um, what I did, mine are actually in scale with some of the. Uh, well, I'm gonna say later, but the, the 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 1990s GW dwarves, like when Marauder Miniatures came in, and like trishnally Morrison, and I guess mm-hmm. some of the Perry's too, we're doing right. we're doing sculpts of those, so they're more in line with that. And really, what I wanted to do there was, um, uh, you know, it's 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 basically modernizing them a little bit. So if you were to actually put them next to your, I mean, if you look at um, if you look at an old school beaky Space Marine plastic next to a modern Space Marine plastic, there's a huge difference inside. I think the, you know, the, the new ones are like, what, 32, Probably 35 definitely. millimeter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it might, might fit in just fine. They're just slightly larger, but they're really more like in that 1990s feel uh, of, the, of the minis. And part of that was detail. And part of that was right. actually something that I wanted to get into an aesthetic. Um, it wasn't when doing the drawings, it wasn't just straight up Rogue Trader. I was also... I really love the, the old Rankin-Bass hobbit, right, you know, uh, with the linear lines. And if you look at the faces of the old Rankin-Bass dwarves, they have really big noses and, you know, that real lines and the, and the way their yeah. beards go down. And I and I love that look. And if you look at um, uh, Bonner's work, uh, who did a bunch of the artwork for the, the – uh, the, um, the squats, right? He really has that wonderful, he, he, mm-hmm. he actually captures that really big nose and big beard stuff, especially some of his later, uh, um, fantasy work that, uh, that he did for, for video game concepts and things. Right. It just absolutely gorgeous stuff. And I, and that was one of the things that, that I talked with, with, yeah. um, with Drew. I'm like, I, I want that. I want that bigger. No- Cause that's, that's that crossover between what part is fantasy and what parts the 40 K getting those kind of expressive rank and bass style, fantasy dwarf, you know, uh, um, Trish and Allie Morrison faces in uh, on, on the Space Dwarves. was something I wanted to get. So so in order to do that, that was part of the scaling up a little bit so that we could actually get them in line with that kind of look and feel. Also, it makes it easier to paint.
0: Yeah, and there you go. <laughs> you, you mentioned Paul Bonner. Um, I think mm-hmm. the last time we talked, we mentioned some of our favorite Artists and sculptors who had been connected with GW at one point or another, and and Paul Bonner is definitely, if he's not the top of the list, he's awfully close to the top of the list. With maybe Jez Goodwin being the top of the list, you know. And yeah, yeah, Jez is great, you know, Bonner.
1: And you I I Bonner's my top, but Blanche too, right? I mean, John Blanche, you got to look at Blanche like Picasso. He broke the mold of things, and you know, I mean, I mean, sure, you could mm-hmm. probably look at. I mean you could say that Blanche was maybe influenced by some of the 70s rock covers like um uh, who did uh, like like Roger Dean right and like did like Nazareth covers or stuff like that right or the Yes covers like you can see some influences into some of into some of uh, John Blanche's stuff there but then he just took it and just like did his thing and it was awesome and and today there are people that copy Blanche all over the place right you know and Bonner... Right. Bonner, the thing, and, and Blanche was, you have to look at Blanche's art as kind of like conceptual art to set a tone and a mood of something, right? You know, he wasn't really looking for form. He wasn't right. looking for- No, anything. I agree 100%. All, although, although, if you look at some of his earlier college work, like, you know, just like Picasso, he could do that stuff, but that's not what he was aiming for. He was really about setting tone, right? Especially as an art director. Bonner was about setting the world. He, all of his pieces are these wonderful storytelling moments, Right, you know, there's always something really mm-hmm. cool going on, uh, and he's got fantastic composition. He's got great art style. Is, the faces always have expressions on them that that convey the story. Yeah, I, I dig. I, I would love to own one of Honor's pieces. His Thud Gun piece is something that I that i have always coveted. With the Servitors, oh such, yeah, such a neat piece. The other one is the um, the Imperial Guard with jet packs, sh- like floating in the air and shooting oh, down. Yes. A few both of those. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, think the, uh, I think that the I think that the Thud gun one hasn't sold yet. So maybe if this kickstarter does really well, <laughs> I'll be able to invest in that. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see.
0: No, no, I agree 100% and those those illustrations of Bonners for the Imperial Guard army list for Rogue Trader and the squad army list for Rogue Trader are just absolutely fantastic and oh that's not working dang
1: um even even in the fantasy battle Uh, stuff too right like on my desktop i have it's like one of the orc gruntas is an orc with an axe over his shoulder riding Mm -hmm. on a boar and looking at the work i think that's one of bonner's pieces yeah uh and um you know the it's such a beautiful piece and like that piece was never sculpted. There's so many things in that, in that, that Warhammer fantasy book. And that's really when I came into Warhammer was right when that, right when second edition came out. Like I remember we took, uh, I was living in San Francisco at the time and my friends are living in San Jose and we all converged and took BART or buses or something over to get to Oakland where they, there was a game convention and they were selling the boxes. It was like the first release of them. Right. And, you know, so, um, uh, so it was, it was, it was literally an adventure on its own, a journey to get there, uh, to go buy that second edition box. Mm-hmm. And we were just, that was the coolest thing. And, and one of the things I'm doing for my Kickstarter oh, goodness. is, um, is um, I'll, I'll be doing uh, as part of the scenarios, you'll get cards for each of the characters. So it'll have their stats in, in a 40 K manner. I'm just kind of still up in the air. Do I do it like old rogue trader stats from like, you know. The the books, or do I do like a more modern edition? I don't know if I have a ninth edition, I think like eighth or fifth edition. Oh, we'll, we'll figure it out. Well, you'll you if you can you can update the stats as you wish, but it'll basically have the basic stats, their weapons, and, and everything in there. So you'll have you have your little card with the with the artwork that Aaron did. So that'll be kind of fun because I, I love that old school look and feel. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The um, and I guess. What we should really talk, well, real briefly, let's talk about what you get in the Kickstarter and at the at the various pledge levels. I I count myself lucky. I am in the first 24 hours, so I get the 24-hour exclusive Thank uh, you. original yes. Space Scrapper, yep. right?
1: Yep. Uh, this guy right here, yeah. Which I, you know, because and it's so close to like, it, it's an homage piece. So I can't really sell this, but I do want to share it. So that's why I'm using it for that 24-hour deal. As a thank you, that's a cool thing.
0: Share and, the toys. And so there's there's basically when it, what it comes down to is you've got two, really you've got two pledge levels. You've got the basic crew, and then you've got double the fun, which is a second crew plus some some extras.
1: Right, and yeah, so right? mm-hmm. yeah, so so the basic adventure party has all of. Thorgrim's. It, it has it a has, uh, Thorgrim himself, and then it has all of his adventure party. So that would include, uh, and you know, and I I changed the names. So that so the thing about scrappers is I actually broke them into um, different. Uh, what's what I'm looking for? Uh, different subsets, different tasks, what they do, right? So within the group, there's Thorgrim, who's the boss. And then there are cutters and the cutters are the guys that are basically your, have your close combat hand-to-hand weapons and that kind of stuff. And they're the guys that are actually cutting away and grabbing the gear. And then there are blasters and the blasters are your kind of your soldier guys. They're, they're your, they're your, your, your space Marines, if you will. And then we have clears. Those are your heavy weapons guys, uh, which would be uh, like mm-hmm. bobber, bobber, and bomber. So a uh, has got a flamer bombers got a uh, uh, heavy bolter type thing. And then you have your finders, and that's the youngest, uh, Kili and Philly, right? And they they are scouts. So they're so each one is actually dressed and armed and armored in a way that actually kind of tells the story of their um, of their role in the in in the in in the group of the scrappers, right? And again, that going back to that kind of. Um, um, Rogue trader, kind of thing, right? They're not just all rank and file guys. Each one has their, you know, they have their own different flavor weapons. Uh, like, uh, for instance, Brawlin, uh, you know, he's basically the um, the troll slayer of the group. He has two power axes, right? So, you know, uh, where like Nori, uh, is you know, he's the biggest of the group. He has two power fists. <laughs> he's this big, balding guy. You know, kind of looks like a gorilla with just two power fists because why? Because it looks so cool, right? You know, uh, Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, you know, um, Balden uh, is one of the, the cutters, but he's like the oldest. He's kind of like the contract guy. Um, and uh, he's got a power, like a power halberd. And he also has a little mechanical canary, like a canary in the coal mine kind of thing that he uses as scouts mm-hmm. to send out. Right. So, so I really try to do this kind of storytelling with them. So, yeah. So in the Adventure Party set, you know, you've got... Thorgrim, you got... And, of course, I had to change the names, and that was actually fun. So we have Gloink, Feely, Doric, Killy, Nori, Bomber, Owen, Onry, Bover, Balden, Brawlin, and Beefer. And Beefer's got the uh, the plaz, uh, plasma gun, and he's holding it out, you know, like, don't roll a one. Right. <laughs> like, because we've all been there. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you were talking about, like, in the Double Adventure set, um, this is where... Um, I kind of I kind of step out of the Hobbit book and kind of go into the Lord of the Re- oh, well, actually, towards the end, um, where um in the Hobbit where Dane of the Iron Hills comes in and actually helps uh, Thorne and Company, well, I've got Drang Ironhall and his group of, of of lads, and they're basically all soldiery. So they are straight up the power armor. Style with bolt guns and grenade launchers and heavy bolters and stuff. So you get a set of them, but you also get Drang, and Drang is actually an homage pose off of one of the uh, one of the really cool. Again, these are like miniatures I could never get, so we're making them. <laughs> uh, right. He's based on one of the um, uh, one of the Rogue Trader miniatures. I'm trying to remember the name of the guy that we copied, but he's got like the power sword down. It, it was the, the rogue trader that had like the, the headdress with the skull. Do you remember that guy? Mm-hmm. Um, so I can find his name. Uh,
0: Oh, he was like um, yellow armor
1: and had the, had all the banners and flags all around. He was like really one of the first rogue traders that, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, that yeah. the, that games workshop kind of, um, uh, pushed out. Hang on. Oh, hang
0: on. a it? What, there was there was art, but there wasn't really no. A there miniature wasn't a miniature. It, right? Kev Adams
1: actually did a miniature for uh, uh, for him for Boyle. Yeah. Think, oh, Joff right. Suckerman, hero of the Kleenex Genocide. Yeah, Rogue Trader. It's this really stuff looking guy. He's got a big power sword, and he's got a power uh power yeah. fist. You know, he's kind of sculpts down. So I love that drawing. So what I did was I basically translated that into a dwarf, right? And I turned that into Drang Ironhull. Mm-hmm. But instead of having, like, the headdress with the skull, Drang has a robotic arm with an extra uh, bolt gun on it. <laughs> and, and he's got right. the thing. So it's kind of that same pose, and he's got the gruff face, you know, kind of doing that kind of thing. So, yeah, so for the double adventure set, you get you get Drang, Ironhole, and his lads, plus you get the bonus minis of Build Your Buckets and then Build a the Pony. And Build a Pony, it's P-O-N-E, is a robot that they use basically to carry everything. So it's, it's, his you know, he's kind of a cross between a pony and Wally. <laughs> it's kind of the look we were kind of going for. But mm-hmm. he's got a, you know, he's yeah. got a, uh, like a flatbed truck in the back and he's got, and it's full of like giant spark plugs and parts and things and, you know, all the stuff that they would actually be gleaning off of the ship.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: So that's, right. that's what you get in, in as all the extras for the, uh, for the Double D Adventure set.
0: Absolutely. So here we are. It is currently 11.11. 11. Oh, look at that. Make a wish. 11.11 <laughs> 11 Central Time. Um, so just over 14 hours into the into the campaign. You've more than doubled your original goal. Uh, you've got 96 backers. I just updated my, my, oh my pledge gosh. To, to do the double the fun version. Thank you. Um, and 17 days to yeah.
1: go.
0: Oh, you're very welcome. And it's well worth it. I mean, I've... I don't I don't back all of your projects cuz I have some limits. Um the but as as many listeners and followers on Twitter will be well aware I'm a big fan of the of the skellies of the skeletons but
1: yes, thank you. Um
0: yeah. I guess well we're well yeah, those are great. I and I I I can just kind of crane my neck a little bit and see them sitting there on unpainted yeah, thank but you yeah, again you know that's how I, it goes, right? I do these
1: because they're they're you know they're 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 a passion thing to me like kickstarters you know with a good story all the kickstarters right. i back you know some of it's like with good just gorgeous miniatures that i covet or a really cool game or like i just love like uh what was when i just backed it was called so you've been eaten Like like what a great like like how could you like that's the name of the game, right? And it's basically you are a you're a gem miner space dude and the best gems are inside the beasts of these monsters that eat them. So you have to go and and like, you know, go inside the belly and like and like try and survive while trying to get the gems. I'm like, what a a great story, what a great concept. I I totally want to back that, right? It reminds me of Snit's Revenge.
0: That, oh yeah, yeah. That that's a classic. That's and I'll bring so that up in our engine got, crawler
1: conversation later. Yes, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, you're you're all right. So it's it's the first day of of the campaign. Things are looking really good, um, and looking forward to some of the other uh, some of the other stretch goals that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, G four NDF has been unlocked. Mm-hmm. The troll bot plus scenario has been unlocked. Mhm. Uh, next up is going to be Bill Joe using Jacaro ring of cloaking and that's going to be clear resin mini, cast in clear mm-hmm. resin. Mhm. And with a scenario that's currently locked, in, up next after that if once you hit 150 backers, that's going to be hex bases in yep. MDF oh, because be cutting it's all old the MDF, school, MDF, you have to have percent. hex bases. Absolutely. And then after that is question mark.
1: Well, if you look question at if you look mark. on the Kickstarter, I, I yeah. If you look at the Kickstarter, you will see a oh, campaign see, map. I you see. see, you see Thorin's map, Thorgrim's map, right? Again, playing with that old, mm-hmm. you know, the old uh, thing. If you go back to my very first Kickstarter, I did Wooden Wars. I did, a, I did a campaign map. I think I was actually one of the okay. first people to do this. I've seen people copy this afterwards, which is awesome. Uh, but, but the idea was like. Each stretch goal in in the kick in the Wooden Wars Kickstarter, each stretch goal was a campaign to unlock a new town that you've captured. And what I did for that was I actually made a commemorative medal. So it was like it was like Fundedberg and then New Golia and then Stretchenheim, right? You know these names. Uh, which which I actually ended up using that map as a campaign map for the Wooden Wars rules later. So that worked out great. So with this one, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to kind of do that same idea of the travels and the adventures of and Company. Because it is a storytelling moment. So if we follow the adventures of The Hobbit, one of the first things they run into is the three trolls. Right? So our first scenario unlocked mm. is Trollbot Bridge. And what Trollbot Bridge is, is Thorgrim and company have uh, been commissioned to, t- there's an old Space Hulk uh, that has munitions on it that are worth quite a bit of money. but um, But the security system has been triggered on it. And the security system are troll bots that that patrol around. There's always three that patrol around. So they need to get into the bridge and shut down the security system to shut down all the troll bots. Now um, and then, uh, so that's that's mm-hmm. that scenario. So in the scenario, I'll provide uh, you know the the robot stats, the the things, a layout of the map that I did uh, that you can that you can just draw on a hex map, or if you've got you know pieces, I've actually went crazy and made. Made tiles. Uh, I made a tile set, a space tiles at which is not mm-hmm. part of the Kickstarter because I can't mass produce those. Any- They're not done yet, anyway. Like I've still got to figure out some kinks. They're like in beta right now. But anyway, so so you'll get you'll get a map that you can draw for the scenario. You'll get you get one of the figures for it. That that's a key thing. You'll get the scenario right up, not just for playing it. You can play it 40k style, a la Space Hulk. Think think of all the scenarios as kind of Space Hulk. But but um, Jay Wiley of Wiley Games is also doing. A write up of it, so you mm-hmm. can actually—he'll have all the stats, so you can play uh, Galactic Heroes, which is one of my favorite games. And uh, so, so, um yeah. so you can use either sets of rules that you want, or use another set of rules. I don't care. It's you—you you get the basic stats, and you can figure out how to run the scenario. And Trollbots can be ran actually as right. a single player game because you could dice each turn to see what the trollbots do. And the trick with the trollbot one is. Every time you kill a troll bot because the security system is set up, it randomly spawns a new one somewhere on the map. And we were playtesting it; it got down pretty hairy uh, with the troll bots just closing in and spawning almost like right on top of the dwarves. The dwarves lost uh, in the last time we playtested, tested. The dwarves <laughs> lost four guys because <laughs> the troll bot just mm. came right behind them. They're, the troll bots are horrible in hand; they're Yikes. they're really scary in hand to hand. Yeah, because they've got that power claw. <laughs> As mm-hmm. as one would hope,
0: yeah. absolutely. Now, um, not wanting to give in, not wanting to give anything away, but I do notice that there is a photo in the uh, in the uh, campaign mm-hmm. description of mm-hmm. G four NDF with with his back to the camera, and there is a rather tall looking roboty kind of kind of, of thing.
1: spidery looking. And one would say kind yeah, of spidery
0: looking, one, could, one say. could say, yeah. So is, is that, is that going to be represented by another red question exactly. mark at some point? Uh,
1: yeah. If, well, so those, if you know, oh, your, okay. if you know your runes, if you know your moon runes, you can actually mm-hmm. all, all of the map, uh, you could actually look at the campaign map and pretty much figure out which uh, some of the, the things, or if you know your chapters of the Hobbit book, you can kind of follow those as well and kind of figure out some things that might happen. Right. But uh, yeah, so that's part that's part of the unlocks. Uh, honestly, I didn't expect to unlock two of the stretch goals so quickly. You guys are crazy. Uh, so so typical of my of my Kickstarters, at some point I will be scrambling to work on some some concepts for uh, for things and working with Aaron. I've already got him lit up to to do some uh, a couple more drawing for other uh, stretch goal figures. And things, I'm excited about. It. I'm, I'm really, I'm really hoping that we can actually get through the whole book. Yeah. Uh, Drew actually really wants to do some sort of a warp demon dragon smog thing at the end. We shall see. Oh. Um, when it comes to things like so, something new I'm doing with the Kickstarter is actually introducing resin. Uh, up to this point, it's either been my laser cut pieces or um, um, or we've been doing traditional old school metal casting, which I love. And I have, i been using uh, firing light miniatures. Um, who's been my caster for, like, way back into the flagship games, uh, pirates casting when I had my ships and things, right? I've been working with him for uh, Mm -hmm. 20-something years, uh, uh, doing a whiz-bang job. But uh, on this one, because of certain circumstances or or things we wanted to try, I'm branching out and using resin. Uh, The Trollbots, for instance, if I did those in in metal, they're just going to weigh, way too much. And I have to consider shipping. Right, especially when you're shipping overseas, so resin makes perfect sense for those. Uh, and then, and then, sure. you know, to do an invisible build, Joe, I'm like, how could I not do that in 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 you know, kind of a clear acrylic, probably with a tint of blue or something to it. So, um, which is actually pretty costly, but I think it, it's totally going to be worth it for 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 for, for, for the outcome we're going to get. And I'm actually uh, for those of you out there that know uh, Westphalia miniatures. Uh, and uh, and and Callway that runs Westphalia and does all his beautiful resin casting stuff. Um, I'm using his resin caster to do uh, to do my work, so it's like it's the best of the best quality, and I'm really excited about that. And maybe may, maybe a warp demon That'll... in the future might be able to be done in resin too, right? Because that would be a huge mini. Well, I'm not going to go yeah. crazy huge, but you know, like I imagine it kind no. of being Balrogish. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, you got to be, got to be reasonable, and, and at, at mm-hmm. the end of the day. So, no, that that all sounds great, and I, I'm really looking forward to this set. And I, I got to say, I I like the idea of it being. I mean, even with the stretch goals, it's still going to be relatively compact in scope, really, when you think about it, and um, you know, being able to use something like Galactic Heroes Fistful of Lead, you know, for you know you know you get the double pack, you know, that's you know, you get the um, you get the two crews. I mean you you're looking at five, six figures per player, now you're looking at a four player game with some type mm-hmm. of AI for the
1: Or the dun- uh, yeah, or the dungeon master running the, the batteries
0: exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. And and that's that's there's a certain appeal to that and I, I, I gotta say that that that's that's really cool. And is also a perfect transition into the other part of the topic that, or the other topic we wanted to discuss on this episode. And that is just dungeon crawling in general for games. Cause there's a, it's kind of the way I look at a dungeon crawl game is it's kind of the natural intersection between a miniatures game and a role playing game. Um, at least for the type of game I want to play, I, I guess you could definitely do a dungeon crawl as a pure RPG theater, of the mind experience, um, and I, I dare say many people's first experience with a dungeon crawl was Space Hulk, which had already been meant, you know, which we've uh, yep, already mentioned. I, I, yep, I would say Space Hulk episode. is the
1: perfect dungeon crawl uh, uh, tabletop. But um, I would, uh, I, before that, I would say snits Revenge. <laughs> it's kind of a dungeon crawl inside mm-hmm. the creature, but but um, remember, I'm also—I mean, like for my day job, I'm a video game designer, and so I right. would I would opine that your first dungeon crawl game was Gauntlet in the arcade. Elf needs food badly.
0: You know, I I would I would I would agree with that. And
1: did I, did I just hit a memory there's,
0: there's a crazy. <laughs> no it. There, There is a tabletop miniatures version of Gauntlet. I, I forget the name. I forget the name of it right now, but there was a guy at recruits one year who I'm trying to remember if he had like, a f- not quite a full table, but a table set up with a portion of a dungeon and a whole lot of goblins. And you know you they're rolling dice and oh you just killed eight goblins you know with <laughs> a single roll of the dice right and i'm trying to remember i'm trying to remember what those rules were but yeah that, that would be that it that is definitely uh, a dungeon well adventure if you go far enough back yeah, on sure, the Atari, sure, right sure sure sure
1: but i just like but 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 i think that i think that uh, the the gauntlet so in my mind a dungeon crawl involves players working together Right in some in some mm-hmm. form, and like in Space Hulk, you can a lot of times you can split up scenarios, and we always usually had multiple people playing group, uh you know, because we had it was like game night, right? So some guys were playing the Gene Stealers, and some guys were playing, you know, the the Terminator Marines, and we'd kind of split it up, and it was definitely, you know, you're kind of like they're over here, oh geez, they're working us, you know, no man, I'm reading it right, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh yeah (laughs) and 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 that was and that was part of it right so so i think that that is a a a super to me a super important part of what makes a dungeon crawl fun you know um you know i mean i worked for several years on neverwinter online and was the lead designer of it uh and you know the one of the things that i built was a a good portion of the of that game were the dungeons because i loved it's Dungeons and Dragons, and I love Dungeons, and I love the the group working together, right. right, you know, and trying to set up scenarios for that, so I dig that, but I was trying to, I was making a list, since I knew we'd be talking about dungeon crawlers, of things that, like on the video game world, Diablo 2 is, is a wonderful dungeon crawler, right? They really added the multiplayer system, mm-hmm. but then I was thinking about, like, what is my, my more recent favorite dungeon crawler uh, game, board game, and the one that keep they kept going back was actually it's a little bit kind of a sideways ginger Crawler, but it's haunting on the house of the hill. I, th- I think I got that right, mm-hmm. right? And uh, because everybody is exploring the haunted house, and sometimes you- betrayal, the house- betrayal. Yes, betrayal oh on the trail. Yes, trail at house Sorry, Shelley, shelly Mansonoble, the 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 producer on that, who I got to actually play test when they first got the first boxes out. I was up at Wizards of the Coast one night uh, for for a thing. It was super. It was a, it, that was a huge honor to be able to play with those guys uh, with like fresh open first boxes. Uh, but anyway, back to Betrayal. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a super cool game because at first everybody's playing together, right? And you you're searching, but then right. like Scooby Doo, everybody starts kind of splitting up, right? And then and then eventually somebody turns into the baddie, and then everybody else has got to then everybody else works together right. to try and. Fix that, and uh, it's just—it's wonderful, and it has so many different ways that it can go. Uh, not only with the, with the 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 huge amount of things that can happen via the game rules, but also how the players play it, right? How they choose to play it. Uh, dungeon crawlers, to me, always have player agency, right? So it's a, you know—there are certain games mm-hmm. where. Like, let's take Monopoly. It's all about min maxing. You have your goals. Everybody's trying to go for the same goals. Everybody wants, you know, Park Place. Everybody wants the railroads, right? Or like, if you're taking railroads, then I'm actually going for the higher end hotels. There's like, you know, it's kind of a a fencing match of of things to do. But with a dungeon crawl, I mean, everybody has their roles. I'm the fighter. You're the Jenkins of the group. You know, you're the, you know, somebody else is the bard. Your brother's the bard because we don't even sing well. And, um, but, but, uh, but you work together for the most part, right? And then and and but there's always the guy that doesn't work together, but that but that's part of the dynamic of the party. But then you can kind of choose what you're going to be doing. And to me that's to me what makes a good dungeon crawl.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um and you mentioned betrayal at house on the hill and the that that uh, traitor mechanism is just so crucial to that game that I mean you can't imagine playing it without that, you know, and um, it spawned any number of other homages, imitators, copy, you know, copycats. Well, whatever they, term well, you want to I use. I mean, they made a Baldur's um, Gate version
1: of it as well, right? Yeah, but, but right. and the cool thing about right. that is it builds such great tension because you don't know when it's going to happen and you don't know to whom it's going to happen. And then when it happens, you don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. Right? You know? So it's really it has a great Cthulhu right. kind of moment to it.
0: Right. And speaking of Cthulhu in Dungeon Crawls, there's also mm-hmm. Mansions of Madness now in its mm-hmm. second edition from Fantasy Flight. And I'm I'm hoping this J3 uh here coming up in oh, just about a month, um, uh, that my friend Eric, he's got he's got a pretty nice job and has you know <laughs> minimal expenses so he's able to buy all sorts of wonderful toys uh he's got everything for mansions of madness and i'm hoping he's going to run it for us at the in the dead of night with the lights dimmed and appropriately creepy music and the uh, second edition has that nifty app which people are uh i understand people are uh pretty impressed with and say it really adds to the game so i'm looking forward yeah that that. is
1: a that is an interesting uh a new thing i'm so old school that i still want to play pen and paper but which is weird because my day job is a video game designer right so like i either want to play video game or i Mm -hmm. want to play pen and paper so like the whole roll d20 and like working online through covid was a weird misnomer to me i'm like well why don't we just go play neverwinter (laughs) <laughs> We're just gonna play Star Trek online. We can play Champions. Why don't we go? You know, play Magic online. The the new game that I'm working. On. Like we can play together doing that, right? Uh, but uh, but now mm-hmm. games have like apps and things as part of the built in. It's a very 21st century thing, and um, you know, I, I, I'm coming along to it. It took me a while, but I really appreciate the idea of it and how well that works. Yeah, I mean, I've even downloaded right. all my D and D stats right. on my iPad now. <laughs> yeah. That being said, I still have my sketchbook out and I'm drawing my character, <laughs> you know, while, while we're playing.
0: <laughs> sure. Um, let's see what else. Um, there's if a we're... There's
1: a Star Wars no, game. No, I had mentioned... Uh, that. Is yeah, that the one where, the, where you get the Wookiee with it?
0: Well, yeah, yeah. you can be yeah. a Wookiee, yeah. Uh, th- there's a number of different characters for it. Um, yeah, in Imperial Assault, uh, it's basically... Well, I don't know. I kind of feel like dungeon crawling implies some type of loot collection. Yeah. You know? There, or, or, or maybe even a MacGuffin. And I, I haven't played enough Imperial Assault to say how many of the scenarios are, are MacGuffin-centered or loot-centered. Uh, many of the original space hulk scenarios were because he had the Mm -hmm. cat right the Mm cat whatever type of technology that was supposed to be and and that sort of thing and you know does there you know it you know you can't have a monty hall scenario without loot right so um now i wonder if that's if that might be a key aspect because otherwise you're just you know clearing out some type of enemy force from tunnels, you know?
1: That was one of the things that I, I debated with my scenarios to like, do I put rewards in the end? I mean, I mean, there's always a MacGuffin, right? Like you gotta, you know, if you shut off the Trollbots, then you have access to all the munitions that you can sell. And that's what you're going to make your money on. But like, but I'm not like, and you get a new plasma gun. Like I didn't do that. Like, but it's very open to, if you are game mastering it in a series of campaigns, you could totally do that and hand it out to the players if you wanted them to have mm-hmm. that extra thing, right?
0: Right. And, and speaking of console or video games that do do something like that, um, I had mentioned to you a game called mm-hmm. Void Bastards. And um, and if you're not familiar with Void Bastards, dear listener, um, it's, it's a dungeon crawl in space with the... You know, one of the main things is you go and collect different pieces of tech that you then take back to your ship to craft into new items to use. So, very much, you know, it, it fits within that MacGuffin slash loot principle I mentioned earlier. And, it, and it's got a really cool comic book mm-hmm. aesthetic to it, also. Um, so much so that, um, not so much they said it, but the gameplay um, has inspired some friends of mine and me to really think about what could you do with a tabletop game along those lines? Now it'd have to be almost campaign based. I would think if you're, if you're going to be looking for particular pieces of tech to turn into other stuff, for example. Um, But we've done some kicking around with an idea where you do kind of a, a day long Mm -hmm. campaign, right. Or even a weekend long campaign and it starts and you, you actually have a couple of different game types Across the weekend, right, or across the day, where you start off with, let's say, for example, Thorngrim and Company on their approach to the Hulk. Well, they've got to fight whatever local defenses have been deployed outside of the ship. So they have to. So you have to play a starfighter game to get just to oh, even yeah, access yeah, sure, the ship, sure. right? And then, um, you you kind of. I don't know if you it would be kind of a not really a shell game, but you kind of a guessing game as to where where you dock with the ship, and that would act that would give you access to certain parts of the ship, you know, because maybe parts of the ship aren't interconnected, and then that gets into a whole maybe not a meta game per se, but um, we were kind of kicking around ideas for how to make a tabletop game where the when you did access the interior of the ship, the interior was not Mm -hmm. predestined. You know, there's some sort of procedure or randomization to determine the interior. I'm glad you brought that
1: up because I was thinking about dungeon crawls as well. This being part of the conversation. And um, I like the random tile layout kind of idea, right? I mean, you know,
0: yeah, like in like in fourth edition D&D with, you know, wrath of a charlatan and Yeah, and, I was actually thinking those more games. like
1: um Auto Kill Rally, is that what it's called? The the tabletop game. It's a the racing game where you roadkill rally, where you run over everybody. Well, oh, there's robo, no, rally. robo Rally. No, no, this is a it's basically Death Race 2000 kind of a uh, car game. Okay. Uh Auto Kill? Roadkill Rally? I'm trying to remember. The uh Uh, it's one of those games that one of my friends always brings to the conventions and we play late at night and I'm so excited where you get your car and then you get, and then it's outfitted with uh, you get Mm -hmm. like two weapons and then a couple outfit gears and you're racing. But like, as soon as someone gets to the tile at the end, you flip over the next tile to see what's there. So it could be like a hard turn or a jump or a ramp or a pit stop or how many people Mm -hmm. are on it. Like you know, crossing the street that you can run over for points and how, so you have to react to like, if I'm going, you know, hell bent for leather and then there's like a sharp turn. I got to hit the brakes or I'm going to crash and then I lose gear. Right. So I love that. And then at a certain point, the the finish line comes up. I've actually stolen that for, um, right. I have a snail racing game that I built for my uh, daughter for a birthday party. It's a very simple thing where, and, and it's the same kind of thing where you, you flip over the tiles. There's only eight in the race game, but like mm-hmm. it could be a choke point or it could be, you know, uh, salt on the area. So the snails have to avoid it. Yada, yada. But, um, but I but I like that. But it's so that that's kind of almost a, a procedurally generated kind of dungeon crawl thing. But in that case, it's more of a of a race versus that. But I like that procedural generation, and I like that um that could that could totally be used in a dungeon crawl type scenario where the game master is setting things yeah. up right. And that also makes it fresh because you don't know, you know, you've got twenty tiles. You don't know which way the tiles are going to work before you get to the end boss, or the end boss could show up between somewhere between tile ten and tile twenty. You don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, the uh, notness. Well, I guess you, you could almost consider a uh, you could almost consider zombies with three exclamation point or points. The uh, a dungeon crawl, except you're in the you know roaming the streets of some midwestern town trying to avoid sure. the hordes of zombies. Because if you're calling on that one, you're you're flipping tiles with you know the the streets of this town. And there, there was a procedure where, you know, if you did come across, you know, you've got to connect a street to a street when you're laying them down, you mm-hmm. know, to start. And if there's happens to be a dead end, mm-hmm. there happens to be a dead end. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there was an article in a, I want to say it was a War Games Illustrated. Oh, gosh, this was probably, oh, 9, 10, maybe even 11 years ago, where a guy was proposing modeling the uncertainty of urban warfare using that type of system where you've got cards and you lay down, you know, when your troops finally get to the end of the street on that, on that board tile, you throw down a card, then whatever number comes up, that's the, that's the pre-made tile with terrain on it that you, you bring up. And if it's a dead end, it's a dead end. And
1: yeah, um, I mean that, that makes sense you know, there, and it really makes it it makes it fun, right? Because some... it it makes the battlefield a lot of times when we're playing games we have a god's eye view of what's going on, right? Where mm-hmm. when you mm-hmm. do stuff like that it really brings it back down to boots on ground kind of vision and what you can do with that, right? So imagine if you're doing that in a modern in a modern warfare scenario and your unit has a drone. They could fly the drone or, or get, you know, Comsat look down and that way and then the game master would play down x amount of tiles ahead of you right like you can see three right. tiles in each direction now because you've got Comsat,
0: right yeah I, I mean there's definitely there's definitely some there's definitely some room for more experimentation with that and i and i like the idea of, of doing something like that whether it's you know and you could do that in a fan. well, obviously you can do that in a fantasy game because they did it with Wrath of a Shardalon and Legend of Drust and – or, you know, Legend of the Sure, Sure, <laughs> the and, and Delph, there's so many you know, different tropes you can, is, you, know, right?
1: you can use. You know, the Eye of Seeing. You can use, you know, build your Buckets with his ring to, to scout forward. You can use uh, Baldwin mm-hmm. uh, – Balden with his, you know, with his little robotic uh, canary. Kind of thing that you know to look forward, you know, so yeah, there's there's all sorts of ways to do those kind of uh tropes the, that set things up, and I think that's absolutely fun, yeah. but you can, but you also limit them, right? You know, and that's the prize, like you were talking about campaigns. You win this scenario, that prize is you get that bird, and that gives you a chance to uh, X right. amount of times per game you can use it to
0: scout, right? Yeah, absolutely, and, and- And again, that's the type of thing where, you know, I know we're coming out of the age of COVID, but then again, that that is the type of thing that you could do, you know, on an Mm -hmm. individual basis. You know, if for whatever, you know, case in point, you know, I am lucky enough to to live within a mile of my brother, but we don't always, you know, our schedules just simply don't seem enough to get as much gaming as we'd like. So that'd be, you know, a a handful of fifteen millimeter figures. If I wanted to do something other than space, you know, space dwarfs, because of course I'm going to use 28 millimeter terrain for, a, for my space dwarves, but, um, you know, I could do it here on the, here on the uh, kitchen table where I'm recording mm-hmm. this episode right now. I could do that easily enough, you know, and you know, whatever, whatever tiles I use, or there's all sorts of, oh my gosh, they've, you know, with a 3d printer now you can, you can do mm-hmm. almost anything, right. You know, I could do a medieval town if I wanted to, you know, then the twisting, turning back alleys of, you know, well, my own project, ongoing project of Brandberg. Yeah. I mean, that'd be yep. that'd be yeah. a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, well, that's why know? I ended up
1: making my own space so, tile set, right? I mean, you know, it's, it's left, right, straights and things. I, I actually made a transition piece, so it hooks to my Space Hulk kit, but I made mine too wide. But it's really, exactly, so you can just lay it out and, and build something real quick, right? And I think it taking mm-hmm. it from a, from a game master point of view, being able to do that kind of procedurally generated kind of thing means that I don't have to come up with a full campaign and a full map and a full idea of things, right? I can basically say, here's the scenario, here's the MacGuffin, here's the boss. Let's figure out how things are going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because honestly
0: – Because yeah, let's face it. Your your players are going to adore all the work exactly exactly
1: you write up this wonderful (laughs) scenario about this particular wizard who has a quest for you in town and you know and the and the the players roll into town they're like ooh those horses we're going to steal them and dye them purple and you're like okay well the only place to get purple dye is from this wizard (laughs) you know like. <laughs> you know, so you gotta kind of like and bring it back around. Uh, you know that I wrote this whole backstory for. So yeah, so so that happens. So yeah. I think that that that's also part of dungeon crawling that I like about it is that you can make it um, procedural or random, kind of a random setup.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and you know, m- mentioning Brandberg reminds me that i i have I have completed two sessions now as a DM. With my Brandberg setting, my buddies Nick and Mike, and I have been getting together on Discord for our voice chat sessions, and um, we have not rolled up characters yet, but we've had two <laughs> sessions of, of world building and, and getting, you know, me getting a feel for what they want their characters to do, and actually describing how they met and what their connection is with their with the the guy that's going to hire them or trying to hire them next, and them trying to get to the to the town where he's supposed to hire them and yeah, that yeah, sort of great. thing. That's so cool. so I've been I've been painting the 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 world that they live in and with with a broad brush and then they, they come in after and, and help me fill in the details and, and then they all
1: fun. realize they only have a D4 health, uh, health each. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> no they there's they're stout fellows. They are <laughs> They're mercenaries for many oh, years of yeah, okay. campaign. So they're, so they're, so they're traveling characters. They're, they're going to be pretty. <laughs> that have survived. Uh, yeah, yeah right on. They're going to be okay. Yeah, they have yeah. survived. one of one of the,
1: one of the so. things that I've been uh, that I've been playing around with is I like, uh, and you kind of touched upon this earlier, uh, Jay, is that um, that different modes of what happens in the in the game. So like you're just talking about like you're building up the backstory and what's going to happen. But at some point there'll be a confrontation or an event or something that happens. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was actually playing around with a, with a science fiction thing. Actually, trying to also think about it in in, both in video game terms, but in tabletop where uh, imagine that your ship has crashed on a planet and you need to both survive, Mm -hmm. but also find enough parts to fix your ship. So, so the first part of it, you know like at daytime it, it, x amount of time is resource management you're going out you're scouting you're you know clobbering a couple of the local flora and fauna but you're finding supplies and to to craft and or build your ship and or build defenses around your 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 area that you're living because at nighttime the monsters come right so so it, you mm-hmm. know and then it be
0: they exactly come at night. exactly and um most yeah i think i
1: was watching um oh the Vin Diesel movie where they, where he has his eyes slit, yeah, pitch black, pitch and black. that's kind of what inspired me. Kind of across between that and um, the old video game where you had like the castle walls, and you're trying to you set it up, and then you're trying to shoot down the other guy's castle wall.
0: Um, yes, thank rampart. you,
1: rampart. Yeah, so it's basically pitch black meets rampart, right? So you spend you spend a certain amount of time for resource <laughs> managing and building up your rampart. And also getting supplies for your ship to, to kind of build it. And then at night, like how well you built your defenses and then you're supporting it basically sees how well you survive, you know, and then you can go out and grab parts of the critters or something. And so, you know, so like, and that's story one. And at the end of story one, you you're getting swarmed and you get enough of your ship together to take off but it takes off but it only gets into suborbit and then crashes in a different part of the the planet which is closer to the hive but the hive has dragged a bunch more ships and hulks and stuff there so there's more scrap and resources but it's also scarier right so you can build that scenario but i love that mm-hmm. i love that idea of of uh, again, it's a player agency kind of thing. To, you know, do they want to just keep working on their ship faster? Do they want to build up their defenses? You know, when did they learn? I guess yeah, it's kind of XCOM kind of feel too, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, and uh, and I like that you that that your headspace is is in that is in that area right now with with player agency and and really determining the type of game that you want to play. Cause if someone wanted to just set up camp where they are and not worry about getting off the planet, you know, if they're not too f- close to the hive, they could probably figure out a way to, you know, survive, you if to not figure survive out how to either train in, the in critters
1: that, or, you know, or grab arms off the critters and build new guns and craft, you know, different Ray guns or anti-critter spray or become one with them, train them and ride them. And, you know, you get an avatar kind of thing. Sure. there's all sorts of cool, Mm -hmm. cool ways they could take that.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's one of the great things about, you know, I've said many, many times on Twitter and on this podcast and on other people's podcasts, you know, it, it, the hot, the hobby is a big tent and there are so many different avenues of, of pursuing this hobby that, you know, there's definitely room for, for that type of experience as well. And uh, yeah, I you know wherever are, are you plan on going anywhere with that, or are you just kind of a thought experiment?
1: Just a thought experiment right now. Yeah, you know maybe someday I'll make a video game out of it. We'll see.
0: <laughs>
1: I could I could see mm-hmm. it working right with the right with the right engine and building something like that. I think it'd be fun.
0: Yeah. Well, and the right IP, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I, I I think it could build its own IP. You could have a lot of fun with that. Um, I don't know. Or it could be a tabletop game too. But I think here's the thing about me and tabletop games: uh, too many pieces. Right? You know, I say that. I say that the guy that mm. owns Napoleonic armies, right? You know, with, with thousands of units of figures of, of things. But but like when I look at a lot of the board games, and you've got cards and chits and blocks yes. and things like that. I mean, you. you yeah, Tracker, my my goal, and and you've seen some of the games I built, like like my Breaking Lances game, for instance, right, which will be featured in a Kickstarter coming out soon. Um, I really try to break it down to the lowest common denominator of pieces that you have on the board, and I also try to make those pieces aesthetic within the gameplay, so when they're on the table, they don't look dreadful, right? You know, uh, right? Because because uh, when there's just so many pieces and pieces and pieces, I actually my OCD takes over, and I get I get it's just too much. I don't want to play that game.
0: <laughs> right, and and we had before before we recorded, we had discussed a, a certain game company oh, that I'm, we're not going to mention now. I'm sure they're nice people. I've anyway. I'll, that that's all I'll say. Their poutine is really <laughs> good, by the way, <laughs> and their cafe. But anyway, um, uh, they that particular company really likes the chits and the miniature cards and the midsize cards and they're tracking this status and they're keeping a tab on this other status and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas you, you take a similar, you know, you take a, a similar game from another company and they don't have all that, you know, and, and that the other company really distilled it down to the essence of the game. Whereas, you know, the first company we're talking about just keeps Piling more, more and more stuff on, which
1: some people you know, love that. Some people absolutely that love people that, play.
0: and some yeah, and yeah. I just and have a hard time them, with all those. That's things. just not where yeah. I'm be. yeah. Oh, just remembering what all that stuff does, is and hard then
1: remembering enough, where it know? goes back in the box, or the aftermarket laser-cut box that you had to buy <laughs> to actually put all the things in, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and then you're spending you're spending more money on Chrome than you are on the original games, so. <laughs>
1: and that's totally fine. It's just not it's just not my jam, right? You know, my yeah. my motto is not only are my games fun, they look good, and and part of that look good it means that there's not a yeah. lot of extraneous paperwork and or pieces outside of the game that kind of break that fourth wall of experience. Right. You know, that's like, like, you know, with my Wars of Imagination guys, that's why I do laser cut dead guys and you put them all out. I love dead guys. Right. It's a, you know, that's your, that's your markers. How many, how many wounded? Well, look, they're on the table. They're dead guys. (laughs) right? You know, it's really easy to figure out. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I like that with my galleys, guns and glory, you use, uh, each ship has a certain amount of damage it can take right in the crew or just little crew markers on the, on the ship. But the ship damage, I put a little Fusta behind it, which is like a, a small road galley and it holds the dice and those dice just go behind the ship. And that's, and that's, that's the wound. So it's really easy. And, and it tracks behind the ship. So you don't have to have big charts or anything to mark things off. It's right there. It's visual. Yeah. Right. You know, and some people don't like that. That's fine. Right. You know, that's just, that's kind of my jam.
0: It'd be a pretty boring place if everybody liked the I same stuff. I suppose so. I said, you know. <laughs> well, I know I like the stuff that you make, and, and I appreciate um, the fact that there are plenty of other people. Well, let's take a look. Oh, yeah, I think have not looked
1: at the numbers yet. Yeah, what do we have to <gasps> 97 backers. Awesome. And eight?
0: Yep, 97 backers, and coming up on yeah, the amazing. Cool. So. Yeah, that's that's really spectacular. I'm I'm really pleased for the apparent success of space space scrappers. (laughs) See, I almost Mm -hmm. did it myself. Um, And I got to say, the logo, Jay Wyatt designed the logo. I heard you mention, and that is really it. Really evokes the totally nailed it. Yep, the totally nailed it. I know to go to the best guys for the right things. Um, But yeah, (laughs) yep, 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 yep. Um, another another super guest uh, of this podcast jay wiley mutual friend um, yeah I, i'm i'm really pleased with the success that you had with your kickstarters i'm glad to see that uh, space scrappers is going as well as it is already i know i know my buddies uh mike and nick uh they're gonna want to get in on this too i'm sure but uh, because of the procedurally generated space hulk concept that we're we're probably gonna work on eventually. Well you know I'm I'm um, actually sending Jay there... a set of
1: my space tiles so that he can actually work out the scenarios oh, so you great. guys can play together.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Yeah we'll definitely have to look at that. I he's got a he's got a, a war game weekend coming up in June that's gonna be on mm-hmm. YouTube. And then he's he's talking about coming to J three. It's just about a three hour three and a half hour drive for him. So we're hoping to see him at J three. And um, of course, he's got his traditional Wiley War Games weekend. I think in what's September, if all goes well, usually. yeah.
1: And I'm and, and I'm hoping to come out yeah. for that as I did last year. I think I'll right. I'll bring maybe I'll bring Space well, Scrappers, but I'll, I'll probably also be bringing my Kessel Run game that I made. Yeah. yeah, that'd
0: be a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, I I do have an invite for that. So i I will endeavor to well with with recruits being mm-hmm. next uh, that increases my chances of getting out to to the W three. Yeah. And so, I had I because I I can't I can't swing two weekends mm-hmm. yeah. away, but I can swing one. In it's a, a challenge. Month, so. It's a
1: challenge. I w- I actually had a table for salute uh, pre COVID. And post-COVID, they're, mm-hmm. they're doing Salute again. Uh, but I because of just all the craziness happening right now, I had to bow out, which is really sad because it's hard to get a game table at Salute. Right, There's so many people doing it.
0: Mm-hmm. But I'm,
1: I'm also working on a set of rules for Claymore Castings, uh, a Hundred Years' War set of rules. Um, that I've been working with David oh, Embry at Claymore Castings. For those of you who don't know, as has spectacular Hundred Years' War uh, knights and men-at-arms and archers and whatnot. Beautiful, gorgeous miniatures sculpted mostly by uh, Matthew Bickley. Um, and uh, David's been wanting a set of Hundred Years' War rules for a while, so I sat down with him earlier in the year and basically built out all the pillars and gave him the key... All the key points to use and then and then filled in like here's you know four different ways that you can play this <laughs> here's four different ways that we could do this and mm. he and uh uh are basically our editor and also worker uh nicole murray they've actually started playtesting it and now they're winnowing down the real key of the pieces of the gameplay that we actually really want to use right you know which which feels it's like it's mm-hmm. like spaghetti on the wall, right? What sticks? What feels right? And what feels right. good? and What feels aesthetic, right? You know, so yeah, so um, that will probably come out next year because uh, we still definitely want to get some okay. play testing involved. So that's kind of fun.
0: And you've got the uh, Breaking Lances Breaking, is the yeah, break, probable or definite knocks? Definite oh, uh, Kickstarter next?
1: I'd say it's my probable definite. It was actually supposed to be th- this one. Until Drew sculpted that dwarf, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that kind of just all snowballed. <laughs> so yeah, so Breaking Lances will be my next one. And again, Jay Wiley's doing the layout and stuff for the rules. So yay, thank you, Jay. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Jay with an E. Um, I have it. Uh, Jay tells me that in his house, I'm podcast Jay. You know.
1: It's good to have a <laughs> prefix.
0: So there's so there's no so there's no misunderstanding. Right yeah? <laughs> Which, when actually, my brother Chris, he's got his own YouTube thing going with some other buddies of his, and he's referred not to Jay. as mm-hmm. not Jay on that. So, as you know, as I you, have as you've been. Been a, yes, as you've been a guest on it. So, no, but uh, well, I, I think I think this is a good place to go ahead and call it a night. And uh, again, I, I'm really pleased to see how quickly the community has embraced uh, scrap space scrappers and let's let's hit the refresh and see where we are and see if it's this... okay still 8397 but that's out of a $4000 goal and that's with 17 days to go so we're doing, it's, yeah we're doing fine really and now
1: Europe will be waking up soon yeah and oh, they, yeah. and they still have yep they still have a little bit longer to go till seven o'clock in the morning to hit that 24 hour pledge.
0: Oh. Well, all right. On, on that there's note, there's two hours, two hours um, left
1: on the 24 hour pledge. Yeah. Oh.
0: Yeah. yeah well, but dear listener, by the time we hear this, that those will be long gone, long gone. So I'm going to do a modicum of editing on this and, you slap the beginning and end on it and call it a night, and hopefully get this up. Uh, let's see, it's Tuesday, so hopefully get that up Wednesday night. So.
1: Well, they'll be well into the thick of it, and they'll be able to join in, and with all the Kickstarter stretch goals already unlocked at that point, all the hard work has been done for them, right?
0: <laughs> exactly. Maybe well, not, not, not all, all of them, them but, maybe but all them well,
1: else. we know at least two are, right?
0: Yeah. yeah, at least two are <laughs> by now, yeah, and. Up coming online for too long. So, anyhow, uh, Thomas, thank you so much for for coming on the show again. It's it's always a pleasure to talk to you, and um, it's it seems like every conversation we get in we get in the wayback machine and we talk old school gaming, and I really no, appreciate I, well, thank that Thank it's it's a fun topic, and and I, I dare I say you're you're one of the one of the banner bearers for for old school gaming. Like many other guests on oh, well, this, thank
1: podcast. you, Jay. I, I really enjoyed talking with you as well. And I and I think that the 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 key there is right um, that you know the, the old school gaming is our history, it's our roots. And a lot of the new games that are coming mm-hmm. out now, you know, it's like if you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it, kind of thing, right? But like in the bad way with with the games, right? So like there's a lot of cool right. things that that you see new games doing that are old school ideas. So I I love that, right? Yeah, except for the averaging dice, that was a bad idea. Averaging dice was a bad idea.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the last, the last recruits that I went well it was the last recruits that they had. Um, one of the one of the guys that I he used to own a store, and I'd go to his store, and we actually played a Realm of Chaos campaign at his store. Um, and he's he's a member of a club, and they're playing. They're going to run some. Napoleonic game, and he just comes up to me and says, "Jay, do you have any averaging dice?" "Yeah, I do. You can. You're more than welcome to borrow them." And I never saw him again, and I'm okay with that.
1: (laughs) I had the damn averaging dice that got put in my six sided dice at some point, right? And it came up, and you're like, "Ah, yeah, Yeah, like why can't I keep rolling twos and threes and fives (laughs) or whatever it was?" (laughs) All right, man.
0: (laughs) Howard. Howard Whitehouse. (laughs) Um, I don't know if you know Howard Whitehouse yeah, or not, yeah. but uh, he he refers to averaging dice as dice for people who don't want their games <laughs> to be fun. <laughs>
1: it, it was that way. But, you know, it, but again, it was that's just how it was then. You know, you, you grab the, the noodles that were good and that's but it wasn't that much fun. And that's why we don't do that anymore, where you see things like the rules from Knights and Magic or Chainmail and other things that have actually grown into a huge industry of cool games.
0: Yeah. Right right so anyhow uh again thomas thank Thanks, you very man. much uh best of luck for, over the next 17 Cheers. days and dear listener i i highly encourage you to go check out thorn Grimm and company uh, link will be in the show notes and uh as always if the war game you're having isn't any fun you yeah, may get it rid fun. of those averaging dice that is all <laughs> We're stopping by J. Arnold, 2021. it is a plan for by school 35. Courtesy of freemusicarchive.org.